Hey, it's Tobias here. If you want to learn a little bit about my firm or see my portfolio, head on over to acquirersfunds.com. Tobias Carlisle is the founder and principal of Acquirers Funds. For regulatory reasons, we will not discuss any of the Acquirers Funds on this podcast. All opinions expressed by podcast participants are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of Acquirers Funds or affiliates. For more information, visit acquiresfunds.com. Hello, folks. It's 10.30 a.m. on the West Coast, 1.30 p.m. on the East Coast. If you'd like to listen to this live, because I get an email every day asking me how do we listen to it live, you go to the uh, Acquirers Podcast YouTube channel. Uh, You'll be able to sign up. You can subscribe or something like that and then ask for the notification. It'll send you an email when we're getting... As soon as we go live, you get an email. You can click the link and you can hear it. How's everybody doing? Are we live? How we do I live. know if we're live? <laughs> Where's everyone calling in from, Toby? That's what I want to know. Yeah, that is the important stuff. You got Scott Jackson, bonjour from Dublin. Chai town. Can't find... Toronto. Uh, I'm good, man. I'm, I'm fine. Columbia, I, I Indonesia. I've been up for too long. There we go. I've been up for too long. Portland. Uh, oh. I did. I have already uh, taken out a stand-up paddleboard in the ocean, so that was pretty cool. <laughs> nice. nice little morning. Yeah. Miami, Sweden, my morning Scotland, didn't Cincinnati. Start at two a.m. I'd be a little happier. Yeah, Florida lifestyle. Yeah. Well, kids. Maybe you're so we get up with this, all the uh, old party people started? that live down there. <laughs> Waking up early. Yeah, my uh, Monier shirt. Shout out to James. One of the ten. Two of the ten. Change money is two of the ten. <laughs> Dude, not not last year or not after last week when I said that he'd been wrong for too long. He's he's no longer listening. I'm sorry, James. Come back. Uh, should I start this thing? Let's Just do it after hours. I'm Bill Brewster with my co-hosts Jake Taylor and Toby Carlisle. Jake, what are you going to be talking about today? I'm going to be talking about the most abundant enzyme on Earth and what. That might teach us about uh, business. Enzyme. And Toby, yes. What are you going to be talking about, Toby? So I got two. Uh, Buffett has done this uh, magnificent little deal in Japan where he's borrowing. The rate on his borrow is less than the dividends that he's getting out of these Japanese uh, big trading conglomerates that he's bought into. And uh, I want to talk a little bit about market level valuation Tweeted out the Buffett indicator yesterday, made everybody mad. So let's talk about it. Bill, what about you? What you got? <laughs> is Bill is Bill Bill's gone? frozen? <laughs> <laughs> Bill got really sleepy. Bill woke up at two a.m. I'm in the Matrix. I think there we go. Now he's back. Yeah, okay. yeah. We're I went into the Matrix there for a second. What's uh, your What's your topic, Bill? I'll probably talk about this bet that I'm getting my butt kicked in already. <laughs> uh, you never go value. Yeah, yeah. Two, two and a half year bet, and I'm already, I've already lost. Would well, you want to start there? That's pretty fun. Yeah, sure. Already, already down triple yeah. digits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I, uh, I, I mean, you know, I don't know. I think curate's a reasonably good idea. Um, well, let's talk I'm about what the bet. Not, What's the bet? Yeah, lay out. What's the bet. happening? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm. 
I'm, can I get there? Jeez, just because you guys tell a story differently than I do doesn't mean that I can't get. You got to start at the start, Bill. That's how stories go, dude. That's oh. the fucking start, man. I've been researching stuff. I've thought that I think curate's a pretty good idea. I've followed the company for a while. I think there's a financial transaction that's interesting. I might be the idiot at the table. Uh, I was talking to my mother's friends who said that they do not believe in the stock market and that they it's real. think it's like that Santa the stock- Claus or- they should. <laughs> yeah, no, like they don't like they just don't think that the incentives are aligned and they don't think anybody's out there, you know, looking out for them. So that like, part they is true. Don't, so yeah, they, they, they don't ever want to, <laughs> you know touch any stocks and then uh the wife sort of piped up and she was like oh by the way uh, my husband has bought zoom what do you think of that and i said well you know zoom is sort of hard for me to get my head around uh and i said you know what do you like about it and it was literally everybody's on zoom right now so we bought the stock and you know i don't know i'm still like sort of old school and thought that you needed to do a little bit more research than that <laughs> it just goes up that, man who that, cares that's where you've gone wrong there but i've identified the problem <laughs> yeah i mean so um like that's obviously i i guess i i don't know i've i've been studying the wrong thing because i should have just been buying things like teledoc and all that um i i'm in an interesting part because you know, like I actually care about this game a little bit, but I'm getting my ass kicked by all my wife's friends right now. Uh, and they're pitching her like e-commerce, e-learning companies and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, they're buying and it's going up. So uh, that's working nicely for them for now. So anyway, I had just put out a tweet and I was like, look, uh, I think people are chasing heat right now. And, you know, on average, that's not going to end up well. And uh, my man, Austin Lieberman, who is, you know, long Zoom for, I I think, I mean, look, he was really early on it. He's identified himself as somebody that picks, like, great companies and sticks with them. He's not into bailing before the growth story is over. Um, I think he maybe read something different into my tweet than I actually said, uh, which can happen sometimes on Twitter. Lo and behold, we're not exactly speaking the same language sometimes. So I was like, fuck it. Like, you want, you know, put your chips down. I'll take Curate, you take Zoom. We'll see. Two and a half years. Um, fast forward two days, and I'm trailing by like 55%. <laughs> <laughs> well, Zoom did report a monster quarter, right? Like a day after you placed the, made yeah. the bet. I mean, it's up 40% today, uh, which, you know, is fine. I mean, whatever. But um, it's funny because you, you've, ter- you've set the terms of the bet, right? You said two and a half years, and you've done that on purpose because. Curate is going to get two uh, yeah, Christmas yeah. shopping sessions. That's right. Through that. It's a seasonal business. You need two shopping schedules. I'm not going to like do two Januarys. That's a sucker's bet. But then, uh, then Austin's also he's 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 think he thinks that he's going to win the bet too because he's like, well, I've got it just before they're going to have this blowout earnings and uh, the stock's going to explode up. So he's he's got the first part of the. Yeah, at the first furlong, it's uh, it's Zoom by uh, a length, and uh, we need to see over the rest of the race <laughs> yeah. if uh, Curate can can catch up. Curate hasn't yeah, well, left I, the, the paddock yet. Yeah, well, I said to I said to uh, I said on Twitter, I said like you know I don't know now I'm getting like bombarded with Zoom tweets because of this thing, um, 
And look, if you're a listener, please uh, log on. If you follow me on Twitter, there's a link. Uh, all the proceeds are going to benefit uh, a charity. So please go on my my uh, my page, and and if you can afford to donate ten bucks or whatever, it would go a long way. Um, so, uh, I you know I said to him, I was like, look, it's it's basically like I'm playing against Steph Curry, and he just pulled up from half court and beat me. Like, all right, you know, you got to tip your cap. You lost that game, but it's a best of seven series, so we've got a long way to go. Yeah, but I it, saw is, some, it uh, is super funny to be this this down <laughs> this quickly. It's like, oh fuck! <laughs> yeah, I mean, talking shoot. about like venial sins being punished swiftly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. I mean, fifty percent in value land. When's the last time any any stock has gone up fifty percent in value land? It's been a minute. So, uh, you know, these Momo things they can rip on you. I saw and, someone and, uh, crunch some numbers on it and said, "Can use if it does this quarter for three more quarters, basically." Which is probably not unreasonable given recurring revenue. I don't know, but uh, price to sales will have gone from 115 to 35, and the PE will have gone from 2,000 to 88. That used to be expensive. I was gonna say, like, <laughs> I remember when 35 price to sales was like you'd kind of be like, "Ooh, boy, you guys really like this, huh?" The only thing that could make them go down is if they try to raise some money. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, look to to give them uh, some some uh, props here. I mean, they had their cash flow from operations increased this the first six months ended July thirty first, twenty nineteen, fifty three million in cash flow from operations. This quarter, six hundred and sixty million. I mean, that's growth. So, you know, they did it. So they got to keep doing it. We'll see. I don't, I mean, I don't know anymore. I have no fucking clue. I don't know why anyone would care about my opinion on any of these companies. I've been dead wrong. Tesla is ripping. They're issuing shares and their stock is going up like it should. And then it's selling off like it shouldn't. It makes no sense to me. I don't know what I'm doing anymore. I'm basically a dinosaur playing a new person's game. And I have an ugly shirt to boot, <laughs> which I actually don't think is ugly. Some of those are self-inflicted. What the shirt? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The shirt's an unforced error. Yeah. So you know, I don't know. Is I mean, look, is Tesla I, like, up? I thought Tesla was down in this market. Someone says. Well, when I when I looked when I looked at it this morning, it was up, and I thought like, oh, it should be. I mean, dude, if Musk could issue shares up here and then buy them lower, that's some Henry Singleton type stuff. Like that, I think that's a good move for him. I know that yeah. some people are going to think they're getting diluted. I think they're delusional. Not but much. That's a whole different it's issue. five billion on like a four hundred billion dollar market cap, isn't it? Still money. I mean, uh, I, I I would go this, bigger. I would yeah, go bigger. Yeah. Well, I mean, you I'd do what you can like do. Twenty billion or something like that. The water right? on that balance sheet. If you can dilute there, you are that you're doing the Lord's work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you're Elon. I mean, dude, it's not that long ago. It was a hundred billion dollar company. It goes down to eighty billion. You buy five billion in. That's actually real money. Hundred. I mean, it was like a thirty billion dollar company, not that long ago. Yeah. Unreal. So my whole point is, like, I totally like. I get it. Uh, oh, dang! What's up, Trevor Scott? Look at us on the big screen. He's got us on a huge screen. That's dope. Uh, sorry about the shirt, man. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I you know I like what. I like what he's doing, uh, what Musk is doing here. It makes total sense to me. I just, I would go bigger if, uh, if I were him. So I do, uh, I do think, you know, I watched that Neuralink 
presentation just because I'm curious, morbid fascination, but like using that, like think about that as a recruiting tool and like how little that costs to put together. There's probably an incredible ROI on that for finding, you know, just talent finding, like he's doing things that some things that are, are pretty smart. Like even if, some of the claims a lot of stuff seem a little smart. bit that's a little uh, little aggressive. On <laughs> well, we're gonna well, figure out difference? consciousness finally. Great, he's uh, a good entrepreneur. I don't know what the difference between uh, genius and promotion. It's pretty thin sometimes. He's a good entrepreneur. Yeah, this is a perfect time for him too, where you know, lots of cheap money floating around, low skepticism, uh, pretty much like fake fake everything is not a problem like we we kind of don't care about the truth anymore <laughs> this is a this is a great time to be elon musk well i think uh i think something that's interesting uh that was pointed out um actually by trevor scott earlier today that i read uh his his point was like if rates are going to be lower for a long time you know these really long duration assets should should be quite a bit higher and i mean i don't like we've said that before um I actually also think, and this is like really tempting the gods here, uh, but like I actually think that these really levered businesses should be also uh, worth more, <laughs> not just because they're ca- well. I mean, you laugh, yeah, but you refi them down, and you can bring your cost. Ca- I mean, you're almost an idiot if you're not using leverage at this point. Uh, and you're I mean, incentivized I know that to do like, it. You're incentivized to do it. They're telling you to do massive. it. Fed's telling you to do it. Massively, uh, and January that, 2008 is calling, and they want to say how yeah, but tell you how different. easy it is to roll that debt over. But this yeah. is totally different. You're talking about a, a crisis in the middle of the banking system. That's not this. Secondly, you know the government's coming to get you. I mean, we just saw it in March. They're not going to let you fail. Like I don't understand how you don't issue super long duration debt. And by the way, if rates go up, you can retire it at pennies on the dollar because that shit's going to get traded down like crazy. It's going to get inflated. And you don't have any near term maturities. You just need to manage your liquidity in the interim. Who's buying it? Like who's on the other side of that trade? I have no idea, man. I've been saying this for years. That said, when everything was crashing in March and I thought debt might own all the equity, it made sense to me. But yeah, yeah, I, I mean, I've said that for a while. Like who is buying this paper? I don't know. Well, it's got a little what about yield, the, I guess. The argument against that, though, with like the you know a very tech-led deflation that leads to this debt being completely unserviceable. Tech-led deflation. Yeah, I mean, you gotta so the, you got to read the price of tomorrow. Have you seen the stock market, sir? <laughs> well, so so what does a tech-led deflation do? So rates go negative. You just refi your debt and get paid for having it. Like you're never gonna pay the debt back is the point. You just keep refining it out. I sometimes think- I mean, and it's like offensive to even articulate, but that is what's going on in the game right now, and I don't see how people aren't playing it. I think it's sometimes it's a it's a it's it's funny that the same word is used to describe two different things. Like this is the d- deflation. Uh, you know, your your TV gets faster and better and higher definition and cheaper at the same time. Somehow that's deflation. At the same time, assets going down, um, that's also deflation. Like To my mind, those are two different things, but they both seem to count towards the Fed gets to use both of those for their hedonic adjustments. And so I don't get it. I mean, look, this is, I'm sure that these are, I haven't looked into all the covenants on these things. I'm sure they're like cross-defaulted and everything like that. The curate equity that I'm talking about on a pro forma basis is probably going to trade at a market cap somewhere around two and a half billion dollars. 
I think that they have a legit shot at printing 400 to 600 million of free cash flow to common equity. I understand people are concerned it's a melting ice cube. It's very possible that they really have to change their business. I get that. Their average customer is 50 years old. The average life of the customer is 30 years. The average rabid customer is 17%, account for 70% of the sales. She orders $3,500 of stuff a year. I Jesus, don't see really? <laughs> a 50 year old woman dying tomorrow. Okay. Like the expected life of that woman consumption wise is probably 22 years. She's got cohorts that are continuing to come in like over and over again or not she does, but they do. So the implied life of the equity you're looking in my opinion at 400 to 600 million normalized on a two and a half billion dollar market cap. The debt that they issued is out to 2068. <laughs> Like there is a disconnect between what the debt market is saying. Now, yes, it yields 6.25% at secured. And I guess there's a 2067 note that yields, I don't know, it looks like 6375 is the coupon and it's got a first lien on some shit. But like that is long paper. If if that is money good, the equity is hard to lose money on. Now, I thought you know, debt that's was supposed gift. to be smart money. I have no idea. <laughs> And I, I don't think that you can necessarily like, you know, look at where debt's trading and say, oh, well, then the equity's safe. I mean, I get that that's sort of like not totally uh, thoughtful, but there's just a disconnect there. Uh, and I, I think that is a lot of places. So I just if you're a CFO, I don't see how you're not pushing the shit out of the debt market. That's right. Yeah, it's, it's uncomfortable right on an individual, but in an aggregate. That's right. It's problematic. <laughs> Should we move on? Yeah. You want to do Buffett and, in oh, Japan? Oh, and by the way, all of the incentives are to inflate the debt away anyway because no one can actually pay it back. That's right. So, like, so if you, so, you know, that's why we are benefit. where we are. Like, that's, that's, that's you why, exactly where really we are where we are. Curate. If, no, not them. Uh, but if foreign, if foreign, if the dollar goes down, AB InBev is a massive beneficiary because they have a lot of debt in dollars and a lot of revenues in foreign currency. Works the By other the way, way too. I, gonna, uh, I think if my calculations are correct, this is our 40th episode. Oh, really? So, hey. Congrats, boys. 40%. We, we definitely we made it over uh, the, than anyone would have thought. The big four. <laughs> my, my over was three. I was like, yeah, I'll do, I'll do a couple of these. We'll see if anybody likes it. <laughs> Still here. Still waiting for that money from Google, though. Send it over. Stop loading our stuff with ads. You can listen to this. Uh, you can also listen to it on the on, on the audio. There's no ads on the audio. True story. Mm. Do you want to do Buffett? Alrighty. Save the veggies for last. Keep everybody around. <laughs> yeah, indeed. So, you know, Buffett's bought a bought bought five of these Japanese uh, trading conglomerates. Uh, I think the yield on them is uh, between almost six percent uh, and the lowest is at three to five percent um and then shy dardashti put this together in a tweet uh shout out to shy he said you know berkshire's borrowed all of this money in uh in yen and all these notes are due way out into the future and he's he's borrowing between 0.17 percent and uh 1.1 percent so his most expensive note costs much less than the lowest yielding dividend uh so and it's non-recourse debt, so he can't be called. It's not like a margin loan where 
the stock moves against you and you get it, you get it yanked. He can he can hold it out to win it um, until until it matures. But then somebody found this really, uh, postmarket found this really great tweet uh, or found this really great. Um, so Buffett was at the University of Denver and he advised students to borrow at one percent to buy AT and T, which was yielding six percent. Oh, sorry, this is Malone. Apologies. Yeah, that's Malone. Yeah. You know, you know, but I'm, I'm just kind of, um, you know, I think everybody knows that Buffett is a great investor, but he's also a great deal maker. And I think that Chris Bloomstrand highlighted that. Um, and here it is once again, like he really is just one of the best deal makers that's ever walked the earth as well as being a very, very good, the best investor that's walked the earth. Got to take your hat off to the, to the old fellow. Like he's, he's still doing it. Yeah, the problem is he doesn't lever up to buy these businesses. <laughs> Stop messing around with this stupid-ass dividend carry trade and go out and buy some real stuff and use some leverage. Hasn't he just done that? Oh, I God. love Bob. Isn't that what he's I'm done? Send your, to send your hate mail to, to Brewster. I love him. But isn't that I what he's him. just done? I'm just saying. Like, what am I missing? No, it's $6 billion. Like, Go out and get something if you're going to do this. Uh, it's 1.5% of market cap. I guess. Yeah. I don't know. That's it's a what great he, move, right? Like this is going to just keep. How long before this pays itself off? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. I don't know exactly, but twenty years or something like that, probably. <clears throat> probably something like that. But in Maybe the meantime, you know, there's a good possibility of them raising dividends. If, if, if my understanding of shareholder uh, appreciation or respect in Japan, which has been, I think, on an upward swing, yeah. Um, there's a, there's other ways to win other than just the carry trade of borrowing the yen and cashing the divvy. Well, I don't know if it's a carry trade as so much as he's just financing those acquisitions, but he gets the carry trade as part of it. And he also gets, this is according to some of the articles that I read, he, he's now he gets an entree into, he can do other deals with these guys. He's he's, And he can take his, his holdings aren't fully maxed out at this level. He can take them up to about 9.5% before he triggers some, substantial holder issue I think Bill's in the matrix again here we go I'm he's deep, back deep in the matrix if you can hear, hear me <laughs> Jeez, Eric yeah. where, where are you recording from Bill <laughs> you're on the moon you're back <laughs> Mars it's not good I don't know why it's so bad. Anyway, I'm not trying to sound mean to Buffett. I love Buffett. I'm just saying, I don't know. It's weird stuff going on out there. That's all I know. All right. You're not going to give him the, the 90th birthday break? Oh, yeah. Like, I love him. Like, I'm just a schmuck. Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to really go at him. But I do think, like, you know, come on, man. If you if you're gonna go out and get something, go out and get something. I don't know that like issuing yen debt to do a bunch of dividend yielding Japanese companies is the most exciting thing I've ever heard. But I I respect it. It's like you know it's a OG move for sure. The uh, I think that your advice to both Musk and to Buffett is the same, right? Just go bigger. Yeah, stop pussyfooting around. <laughs> Well, it's just like Buffett, there, there's so much money out there right now. And like you look at some of these shitty companies that are issuing debt, like and, and it's just free and it's there for him. And 
I, I understand why you don't want to be reliant on the kindness of strangers, but I just don't think like right now there's the debt is so cheap. Like, I don't know. Yeah. She's got no problem. I some equity like his that, that company can take a little bit of leverage. It's OK. We're getting we're getting your messages from the moon, mate. You're coming through. Uh, you're coming through spottily. So let, let's move yeah, on to right. the, the, let's move on to the other thing. Buffett, uh, the Buffett indicator, which is total market capitalization to gross national product. That's significant because gross domestic product is all of the stuff, all of the money that's made within the four corners of the U.S. Gross national product is all of the money that's made globally by residents of the U.S. So that's why it's a more appropriate measure to compare it to total market capitalization. Um, there's nothing uh, that, in practical terms, there's nothing much different. Um, so the the current total market capitalization, I think that the site that I tweeted out, I think it was Guru Focus, they use um, they use the Wilshire 5000, um, which is not 5000 stocks anymore. It might have been 5000 stocks in 2000. But the significant <laughs> yeah. thing, I, I haven't they ran looked, out of inventory. They have, yeah. <laughs> Sarbanes Oxley stuffed them up. I, I've I've. I don't really follow this stuff that closely. I just had a look at it yesterday because I saw somebody tweet something about it. And whenever I see someone tweet something, I immediately go and check to make sure that the data is correct. Data are correct. Data is correct sounds better. So I checked it and uh, they're absolutely right. So we, the, the total market capitalization is like 185% of uh, gross national product. In 2000, we topped out at 140. So we're we're materially over that. So I've been single. You know, everybody's been sending out the single year PE. The single year PE is you know it's off the Richter scale at the moment because we've had such a big knock. So I've been. I don't worry about those necessarily at all. I just ignore them because single years are kind of meaningless. But I was kind of surprised to see all these cyclical measures are now very very stretched. Capes at 32, only exceeded by 29. Late 1990s, 2000, and 2018, when it got to 33. Uh, Tobin's Q is at uh, is about 140% over its long run mean. So Tobin's Q is not quite as stretched as the others. It's um, that's because book value has lagged a lot of. That could be right. Yeah. Yeah. But I was also it, it's not as stretched, but it's still that's still very very stretched. There aren't very many all of the all of the times that are more expensive than. Uh, than now are, are recently, and then those other two examples, 29, 2000, which I hesitate to raise because they, it sounds like I'm being silly about those things, but it's expensive. I don't know what to say. Like every measure, every long run measure doesn't mean anything in the short term. Value is a terrible timing tool. Uh, it's just kind of interesting. That's the backdrop. You just got to be careful. There are some really expensive things out there that you have to be in retrospect in like five years time, you might look back and think that was a dumb thing to do. Why did I swing at that at that level? Sounds like you're calling a top. I'm not calling a top. I'm just saying it's expensive. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm over here in the matrix. I can barely hear anything. <laughs> As for the top, let's talk about that. Let's talk about how silly the market's got. So you don't think you don't think we're in the blow off top? I think Bill's too far in the matrix. Can you hear? Oh uh, no, yeah, no, I yeah, no, I don't. I don't think we're even close. I uh, I, I think I think that there's so much skepticism out there that this is not sustainable, that that's not how craziness ends. I, I think that, I think it's just getting wound up. I really what, do. What, I mean, I mean, no, I what inning are we in? 
one or two. I mean, I've told oh. you, I think I think Apple Apple at five or six trillion is where I would start to say, all right, this gets a little nutty. Uh, how many phones are they selling in that five or six trillion scenario? It doesn't matter. You talk about it. Doesn't you know, matter. Well, no. What you're talking about is all of the service revenue that they're generating from skimming everything from the app store and all that stuff. And you say, well, rates are, I mean, what's the tenure at? 66 basis points, 70 basis points, something like that. You just say, okay, well, Apple's a 1% free cash flow yield. It's growing 7%. I'm going to flip it at the same multiple down the, t down the road. That's an 8% IRR. That's 7% uh, versus what I could get in a tenure. And you can justify that. Like, I really think that's where I think we're going. I mean, I, I, I'm almost convinced of it. I have no idea where we're going. I haven't bet it. I mean, I don't put my own money on that. Despite my bashing of Buffett, it's my biggest position, right? I mean, I'm not really actually bashing him. Like, I really do like him, and I, I have mad respect for what he does. But, yeah, I think the world's about to get a lot crazier than it is. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I just, I, the only thing I say is that I think that we're kind of in the later stages. If we're looking at previous booms, and the, the basis that I would say that we're in the later stages, not, like valuation is, we're, we're kind of around the 2000 level. Spread is kind of around the 2000 level between the most overvalued and the most undervalued. We're also seeing this thing that's very unusual that. In the late 1990s, it, it only, I, I don't know how long it lasted. It could have been 18 months, something like that. You get this upside volatility. So normally, what we, do, what we associate volatility with when the market crashes, that's when all the vol spikes. But when you get these speculative manias, you get upside volatility because folks are buying so much. Because so, call options become like, that's sure, the smartest yeah. thing to do. You just well, you buy calls because you get the real leverage in the, in the calls. And that's retail participation is now here with Robinhood. I think Robinhood's now got the most accounts out of every brokerage. Is that right? Is that a true fact? I read it on the internet. I don't, I don't know. know. You guys don't know? Okay. Let's say it is. I think they've got the most accounts. Maybe at, I'm wrong. $10 per, per account. <laughs> Maybe, but they've still got the most. It's retail participation is the point. You know, Remember all the day traders in the late 1990s? And then uh, they, they're buying calls, like a lot of the trades are in calls. So that's where all the volatility comes from kicking the, the crap out of the professionals. Klarman's looking at redemptions, I heard. Yeah, that's, um, that's another topic we should talk about. The uh, Look, this is, I mean, I know it's like nutty when I say that we're just getting started, but it sort of goes to Cliff Asnes's thing. I mean, uh, first of all, like, the, these companies are really, really, really impressive. Uh, yeah. No? All right. Anyway, I think these companies are impressive. I think that they're the infrastructure of the Internet of the future. I think people can get carried away with it. But once you think that people can get nuts, I don't see why why there's a limitation on how nuts they can get. Uh, and I'm not, not sure that... Yeah, that's so right. I'm not sure that they're nuts yet. And, well, and I, I, I guess what I, I'm... I take a little offense to using actual like numbers to try to justify Apple at five trillion. Just say like people will just bid it up there. Don't tell me it's because <laughs> you know some like logical. But it is. I mean, that's what that's what people are going to say. What's what's the reason for all this loopiness? It's a one percent free cash. It's a five trillion dollar company. Rates are a lot of it. 
I think. And growth, you know, the, the lack of growth makes growth more scarce and things that are scarce by nature are valuable. That's true. I think. What, what's it worth? I have no idea, dude. That's why I don't play that game. But we're all, we're already in the loopy part of the game. We're just we're just trying to work out how loopy it can get, and like nobody knows the answer to that, right? You're you're, well, you're just saying it's you're just saying we're in we're, you're saying we're in innings two of loopiness, and I'm I'm saying we're in like innings eight or nine of loopiness. I think I think it is hard for me to intellectually understand how a company can add forty billion in value on an earnings report. Uh, that's difficult for me to understand. Uh, but I acknowledge that there is an argument that might be able to be made to justify it. That's that's what I'm going to say. Uh, well, and until until I can't even articulate the argument, then I think that we're somewhat within the bounds of rationality. And right now, I can articulate the arguments. Let's, I bet against them. I mean, I laid two thousand dollars against it. Okay, so I'm not like you know saying, oh, it's definitely going to continue. I just I I'm not prepared to say that this is stopping anytime soon. So is there anything that's comparable to, all right, you know, in the big short, they, like, Burry knew that there was a certain vintage that was coming due within a certain time period that was going to be very, very problematic for all those mortgage-backed securities, right? Like, it was baked into the structure of those. So he had a catalyst that he was waiting for. Do we have anything like that right now that would we could point to to say, like, well— Here's why this might derail it other than an election or further <laughs> further social unrest or COVID respiking in the fall or I don't know. What do you guys have on that? Yeah, that'd be my list. All those things. <laughs> I got nothing. I have no idea. I don't know any of this stuff. I mean, you know, Tesla popping, that that would be step one. So, when do you know, think that's going to happen? We got to wait for a while. To, to, do you mean to, no when you idea. say pop? Do you mean pop up or pop pop down? <laughs> no, he means down. But yeah, yeah, like, but I don't even know why. I don't even have standing to comment on that stock. Like, I have been wrong for three hundred dollars a share. So, like, what? Why do I even deserve to to talk about? It? I've been like, wrong since three hundred dollars a share. It. I've been wrong since two hundred and one tenth, not ninety percent ago. Pre five x split too. <laughs> yeah, pre the split. <laughs> well, that's yeah. what I'm saying, right? Like at a hundred dollars a share or something, I was probably saying it was overvalued, right? So I mean, it's four xed on me. So like, who am I? I'm just an idiot. Like I don't know how to play this game, so I just avoid the game. But I know if I played it, I'd be the dumb money. Let's uh, let's uh, let's eat some veggies. All right, veggies time. Do you guys have any guess as to what the most abundant enzyme on planet Earth is? Enzyme, that's tough. No, like, no idea. What's what's an enzyme? Uh, well, an enzyme is a. Um, I think it's a type of protein that. It's a building that, block for a protein, I think. Well, it actually will like cut things, like okay. or speed up a. Uh, it's like a catalyst that will speed up a a reaction. Um, so this this particular enzyme is called Rubisco, I think is how it's pronounced, and that's a that's a, a like mashing together of a lot of really big words that I'm not even gonna you know embarrass myself by pronouncing. But it's like, you know, if, when you read like the uh, the back of the package of like some really 
prepared, you know, boxed food and it's all these crazy <laughs> chemicals. That's what it sounds like. Um, Is anyway, it yeast? No, no, it's ribulose, bi- bisphosphate, carboxylase, okay. something like that. No, no anyway. idea. I thought that was uh, a stock. So... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rubisco, RJR Rubisco. <laughs> yeah, RJR. <laughs> so they make uh, this, this thing drives photosynthesis by catalyzing the capture of carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere. So what they call like carbon capture, it's plants are, okay. are what use this, this enzyme. And, you know, if you stop for a second and think, this has always blown my mind, but if you look at a tree or any plant, like where did it come from? Like where did the actual material to create this, you know, 300 foot tall tree come from? And the answer is actually thin air, like carbon <laughs> out of the air was captured by this plant to build more of itself. Uh, That's how they do it? They don't suck it up through the soil? No, it's not the soil. It's the air for most of it. So These uh, are good veggies. Yeah, so Rubisco, what's interesting about it is that it evolved actually a very, very long time ago before the Earth's uh, atmosphere was, was as oxygenated as it is now. It was mostly carbon dioxide. So... Um, but today, what happens is that Rubisco can mistake oxygen for CO2 and capture it. And what that'll do is it'll produce like these harmful byproducts in the plant sometimes. Uh, and it's also very wasteful, uh, relatively speaking, like metabolically. Uh, so what they, it, uh, photosynthesis is actually about 25% less efficient than it could be if it wasn't based on Rubisco. Uh, and that is that uh, it's called photorespiration, where sugar is actually consumed within the plant instead of produced by the by photosynthesis. Anyway, so but Rubisco is so interlocked in the plants, uh, like this, you know, very delicate biochemistry that it it can't it can't be replaced. And uh, instead, like the plants have evolved all these this complex patchwork of workarounds to still use this enzyme. Uh, and and maintain you know how it's how it uh, evolved to work. So the question really is, you know, what else in our world has is so entwined in the system, but it's actually very suboptimal. But we can't root it out. So, Bill, please. Can I go with the Fed, please? <laughs> uh, judges. Yes, we will accept that answer. Yeah, I need to keep thinking. Sorry, I'm still thinking about the uh, Rubisco. You're, st- you're thinking about eating biscuits right now. <laughs> uh, so I have a couple things that might be uh, interesting on that. Uh, I would say I'm going to go from like least interesting to maybe most interesting. Um, I think that I've read somewhere that like the, the HTTP protocol of the internet is is not necessarily the best way that things could be done, but it was the original protocol. Uh, so it's sort of embedded in the system and we can't really root it out at the moment. The QWERTY keyboard. QWERTY keyboard Ooh, is another great that example. That is a good one. Because it's purposefully yeah. designed to slow you down so you don't get the, the typewriter keys mixed up, right? Or don't, don't get them overlapping. Right. But Dude, I'll tell you what it messes up is autocorrect. I have never said ducking in my entire life. <laughs> Okay, and like I've never said Kongs. I use longs. Like, why does Apple not understand that it's fucking and longs? 
<laughs> yeah, Usually I, take, the same I text that a lot too. <laughs> yeah, but like the, the QWERTY keyboard ruins it. Apparently, it makes Can't the you, teach uh, it? you know like the machine learning too difficult because the keys are too close. So yeah. I get ducking Kongs and all my stuff, which people think I'm like in some fiction movie. <laughs> so I would uh, to piggyback on Bills. I would say, you know tinfoil hat alert but you know potentially keynesianism especially the way that we practice it uh might be one of those things um maybe even like the two-party system is uh something that we're stuck with that we can't seem to evolve away from <laughs> and then the last one which i think is the most interesting actually is excel and when i say that like i actually i have huge respect for excel like it it can do so many things and it's like actually like as a modeling more general modeling kind of a software it's incredibly robust and useful it's just i think it's been now used by so many in so many different ways suboptimally potentially but yet it's part of the system and i could tell you from personal experience that you'd be shocked at how much of uh you know critical infrastructure is run on excel <laughs> And lives and like functions because Excel is working. Well, I've, uh, so- I've seen discussions on Twitter about there are lots of uh, analysts who maintain their positions at funds because they've they they were the one who built this super complicated Excel spreadsheet for some big holding, and nobody else can figure the spreadsheet out. So that's how they're just not going anywhere because they're the only one who knows how to work that spreadsheet. Yeah. Turns out they hard coded the one cell to make that, it that's all how you work do it. anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can't figure this thing out. So that's the uh, I would call that uh, you know those are it's a Rubisco of kind of the software world. This early enzyme that works really works, but then when the environment has changed, it hasn't really really kept up necessarily. Um, and it kind of got me thinking about like are those type of situations what you might call like complexity attractors or something like that. Because imagine all the built-in, like, you know, you have this real thin sort of base and then you build all this, you know, Rube Goldberg (laughs) type of machinery on top of it. Uh, And so like, there's a lot of complexity and fragility that sort of can be brought in by not, uh, not evolving the entire system. So if you get some part of it that's stuck, maybe that becomes an attractor for complexity. But there are some businesses out there that are like that, right? So that's, I think Heiko is explicitly hunting for that kind of thing where, you know, it's not, it's not the most important part of the ecosystem. It's a small part of the ecosystem, but it is, it is just nothing else functions without it. So you just, you're always, it doesn't cost you much. You're always going to overpay for it because it's just too much of a pain to go and figure out how to do it yourself. That's what they're kind of hunting for, right? So that might be the Rubisco of, Maybe maybe you as an investor you should be hunting for rubiscus. Quite possibly, yes. Something that you just said reminded me, Jake, of uh, this tweet that this. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's a guy. Uh, might be a girl, but the fool uh, on on Twitter said that like he's like one of the things that um, bothers me is when people's answer is like this solution must win because it's the best, like that is not true, right? Because there's a lot of instances that existing infrastructure while suboptimal precludes the optimal answer. Um, I, I, I don't know. It was like two sentences ago that you said, and I was like, that really reminds me of that statement. The reason many well, things not, survive. Right. Sorry. To... I was just going to say, I think that's what I like what Peter Thiel said about that. That like you have to be 10 X better 
to displace whatever the existing is because that's the only thing it has to be that sort of step change in the evolution it can't just be iterative little bit better because that will not be enough to trigger uh, a full like shakeup of the ecosystem yeah so bringing it all the way back to the bet that i'm getting my ass kicked in like I think a healthier reaction to something like Zoom for someone like me that's getting his ass kicked in a bet this quickly is to like just get curious about why. You know, because if you really do have to be 10x better, like why are they the ones that are capturing so much of this? Well, sometimes because to me the product is kind of garbagey. This is what I was going to say earlier. Sometimes it's just one little thing that makes it easier to use than something else. And I would say for Zoom, and I think Jake said this to me, so I'm just going to steal it, mate, but I'll, I'll give you attribution for it. It was sending around the link to the meeting. So you just had to click on yeah. one thing and we're all going to be in the same room rather than kind of figuring out how we're all going to conference. But you would think that that's pretty easy to replicate. <laughs> you would think. And if you're, in, if you're in Gmail all the time, which a lot of us are, and I use G Suite to run all of my business as well. It's it's simple to meet with someone and you literally click the thing and it pops and it pops you straight on. I, I, well, I Google was, Meet more often than I I stole that from actually Rory Sutherland when he was talking about how Zoom instead of everyone wasting fifteen minutes because of the lowest person in the tech sort of understanding, not being able to figure out how to get into the goddamn uh -huh. meeting and get it going. <laughs> like Or it, how not to stay out of the matrix, for instance. Yeah. So yeah. It, it ironed out that 15 minutes of lost time where they just click the goddamn link and they can get to work, you know, which, you know, I'm, I'm sympathetic. I'm not sure that's a 10x better idea, though. Right. Well, this is a good. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Someone has someone points out that uh, Teams has a single link. I tried to use Teams. I couldn't get into it. I just I couldn't use the bloody thing. It was too hard. You had to down like it's the, you couldn't get it working. No, I couldn't get it working. Like I had the same thing that I had with uh, like now that Microsoft owns Skype, right? So you got to get a brand new login, and that's what stopped everybody from using it. Like it's just too hard to log in. They, those guys just you cannot mess around with the login. You got to make the login super simple. I think that's Zoom's problem at the moment too. I got two kids at school using Zoom for all of their meetings every hour on the hour. And they're too young to figure out how to use it. And the login is a 12-step login, including a capture halfway through, which makes me want to throw their computer through the window every single this time. Is, this is Toby's Vietnam right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so for 45 minutes of contact time, it takes like 15 minutes to log in. And then it's not, an, it's, it, it's not, it doesn't zoom. I've come to hate you. Sorry, you don't work. It's too clunky. Well, for kids, which is maybe okay. I'm not sure we need our kids on the internet all the time. Well, you do if you're trying to get them to go to school in California. This is true. This is why I moved to Florida. And so far, so good. Three questions in, folks. Questions I, saw a, I saw a question about Lee Lu. What are my thoughts on him buying Facebook and Google? I mean, one, my thoughts are, you know, you got to develop your own thoughts when you see people do these things. Two, like Facebook and Google are the tax of all internet commerce in my mind. Uh, and then you can throw Amazon on the, on the rest. So I think that, you know, a lot of value guys are finally capitulating and realizing that. So those are my thoughts. So avoid it then. Is that what you're saying? I don't know how you get it. I mean, I don't know how you get out of it. I, I think Facebook, I mean, this is not investment advice. Uh, I think Facebook's going to go quite a bit higher from here. Over, I don't know what time frame, but I, I think it'd be pretty hard to lose money in Facebook here. 
I, I tracked that if the whole thing erodes under your feet. That's that's the how, but I don't see how it happens. I tracked Favum, uh, which is Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Alphabet, Visa, Mastercard, because I think that's the those are the best ones. Mm. And Facebook and Google are probably the two cheapest of that group. They're probably the two best bets at the moment, in my humble opinion. <clears throat> By the way, shout out to uh, Peter Atwater who came up with this uh, new acronym. That's it's Tesla, Apple, and Zoom, and it's Tasmania. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, that's solid. I like it because it's a little bit like Andrew Wilkinson. He says he goes looking for uh, New Zealand. I think the smart thing is that he said New Zealand when he meant Tasmania, because Tasmania is nobody even knows that it's there. That's the safest place in the world. Got great wine, got great food, seafood, fully self-reliant. That's where you want to be. Yeah, that's not bad. I'll tell you what, if you're interested in, in some of these better businesses, the uh, the Huber podcast at the inve- uh, on the investing podcast. Investors what, we podcast. We study billionaires. What are, yeah, yeah, investors podcast. Uh, yeah, that Huber interview is good. Yeah, I had him on too. He's he's a he's a good to chat to. Yeah, yours was good. You're that's, a very good interviewer. I'm not okay, even pumping me. you right now. I, I think you're very good. I'm no, pu- it's all right, right mate. I'm, I'm promoting just, it here. This was a little while ago. I was just talking about Saturdays. It's uh, all good. It came up. Uh, let's talk about Seth Klarman, Bopos Group. It's all over. People are people are unhappy. He hasn't yeah. he hasn't performed for the last eighteen months. So, what I mean, I don't even know if that's true. Really? He's like you can you can the only letters of Bopos Group that I've ever seen are the ones from like the late nineteen nineties, early two thousands, where he's just sort of being sensible the whole way through while the world goes mad and then keeps on being sensible at the other side. So naturally, when the world goes mad, what you want to do is sell that bloke and find someone who, you yeah. know, <laughs> trades a, a mad world. But you, you want the bloke who goes, he puts the $6 billion to work right at the top of the market. Oh, that's funny. Um, what's also funny is somebody just trying to troll me by saying Barry Diller is greater than Malone. How about we just say that they're equally awesome? Diller's great. Respect GOAT. Game, respect, game. Yeah, that's right. I think Dilla's been around. Uh, Dilla's been around for a long time. Not a, not as long as Malone. Malone just for longevity at the moment. Even though Dilla's older, I know. You know what is a gangster answer? They asked uh, Diller. They were like, "Have you ever not won in business?" And he thought about it for a second. And he was like, "No, I've won every time I played in business." <laughs> I was like, "Oh, that's so badass." I got a, I got a question for you, Bill. What do you mean by tax? I think he means Google, Facebook. What What do you mean by internet tax? Oh, well, like if you want to, if so, part of my curate thesis actually uh, is that um, the way that, so like historically, right, uh, a department store has functioned as a curation machine and an attention aggregator. So if you didn't know what you wanted, you would go to a department store. The problem now is if you're on the internet, you're just like one of an infinite number of options with no barriers to entry. So if you want to get noticed, you have to spend money on advertising on Facebook or Google. I guess you could do some sort of stuff on Twitter. But I mean, those are like the real uh, drivers of brand awareness. One of the reasons that I think Curate might actually be able to benefit is they have some scale. So there's there's just a lot of there's it's so hard to get noticed on the on the on the Internet that you just got to pay. And, you know, whether or not you want to call it a toll booth, a tax, whatever, I don't know. But you're paying the tax man. And that tax man's Facebook and Google. And just to clarify before, we were talking about Post Malone. Uh... <laughs> yeah, that's true. I was talking about Carl Malone. Carl Malone, yeah. 
And definitely not John Malone. John Malone delivers on Saturday, Sunday too. Uh, All day. I'm telling you, I'm reading these old Liberty Media uh, letters. God, these guys are smart, man. I mean, I can't believe that he called the top in 2000 and just like issued a bunch of debt. What a beast. How is it so, calling the top? Well, what they did is they they saw like like Sprint and CenturyLink and they were like, this is insane. So they issued a bunch of debt that's convertible into those shares and they got 30 year maturities. So like what Liberty Media used to be was basically like a publicly traded hedge fund. It didn't have any cash flow engine in it. Um, so they issued a bunch of convertible exchangeable debentures is what they're called. And they come due in 2030. It brought in a bunch of cash um, up front. And then like when when everything imploded, the the uh, the you know the stock that w- it was convertible into was like so far out of the money that they just were able to get rid of the shares and they had the cash and that gave them some of the funds to buy QVC and then QVC actually was sort of the engine that got the whole Liberty Media complex running. That That's was where they got a lot of their their cash flow from. Which yeah, did, it's did you figure that awesome. out from reading the the filings? Uh, he's got like it's a. It's like a Francisco sent me uh, like a, a bunch of his old uh, letters. Sorry if you get bombarded with uh, asks now, Francisco. But <laughs> um, yeah, Oops. so it's like like 2001 to 2013 or something. Malone used to write letters. They're awesome. All right, cool. Got to check that out. Uh, I can send them to you, sir. That'd question. be good. I got a, I got a, I got a good question. Uh, this is probably for you, JT. Now that bear markets have been cured, does value investing still make sense as a concept? Nope. I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, of course. I mean, getting a good deal on something, however you define that, which is my version of, of value investing, uh, still makes sense. Now, academic version, uh, this too shall pass. We are we have not we have not uh, suspended the the laws of physics. Uh, this is temporary. Enjoy it. Watch the show. Don't get sucked into it. Uh, don't think that you're going to be out before the clock strikes midnight because that's very unlikely. Clocks if you are hands. dancing, there's no dancing by the door. That doesn't work. Um, so, but yeah, enjoy the show. Like marvel at the spectacle that is human behavior, and you know, be ready to take advantage of it when we get back to reality. I think the the one thing uh, that I'd follow on, though, is I don't know that, like, when you think of 09, there was a massive, like, liquidity implosion and a crisis at the center of the banking system, right? I don't know that you can bet on seeing that kind of valuation implosion. And I do understand that, like, it just went back to the mean. So maybe that wasn't even a valuation implosion. But this is why Peter Schiff has got me, like, twisted in knots. Um, I don't know that I would bet on the market coming down. I do think there's a real chance that we just incinerate paper currency, right? So, like, that's the Which, thing that, by I the think way, is, historically is has like a surprise Point. inflation is not good for markets historically. Yeah. Yeah. So, everyone who's like, oh, I'm gonna ride the melt up uh, because of inflation, look at Zimbabwe. I don't think that historically that's necessarily always been the right bet. It, but maybe eventually it becomes the right bet, but you usually get crushed first. 
You can't hide in cash, though, right? Because you're just dealing with toilet paper at that point. It's a hard predicament. It's not an easy time. This is is why I think gold, you know, people that say I buy a little gold, like I get that, you know, that makes sense to me. This is Montier's uh, investing in the age of financial repression. You've got two options. You either swing now and run the risk of catching the downside, but then you continue to participate if it goes on for a very long period of time, or you don't swing now and you have your purchasing power whittled away. Um, but if it comes back, then you've got an opportunity to deploy capital. So there's no good answer. There's no easy answer. I'm glad he feels that way because I'm wearing a shirt that rhymes with him's, his and that's how I feel. I think that came out like 2015 too. That's a, like that's an uh, older piece of his. I, I might be wrong about that, but that's what I, I'm surprised now at how, old, how, how long ago everything came out. That might even have been a little older than that. Actually. Is it even older than that? Yeah, possibly. That might be, yeah. Uh, Jerry Maitland asked me. Jerry Maitland asked me about Walmart Plus. I think they're going to crush it. I think Walmart Plus is going to be a massive success for Walmart. Walmart is firing on all cylinders. That thing's a monster. People weren't wearing masks there last time I was there, but whatever. Stock's gone very well. It was very cheap in about 2015, 2016. Hadn't done anything for like a decade. Calls were super cheap too. I had a I had leaps in it that that was you know, that. But, well, I think they all expired in like 2018, but they, they worked. That that did work. You know what I've been messing around with in my head uh, on Curate is whether or not calls are the better way to play it because I do think you have like a super levered equity stub here, and if you really want to super juice it, uh, the leaps could be interesting. I mean, that's that. I'm saying it's like it reminds me of you can be a stock market genius, and that's what Greenblatt said. Like. There are certain situations where you think the skew is in your side, like bet hard. I don't like adding a timing element to the bet, though. That That's where it gets tough. It's I've hard got, enough to be right. I don't know anything about this, but it's an interesting Oops, uh, It's an interesting have question. Taken the leaps in your bet, though, that would have, for two and a half years. That would have made more sense. Yeah, can you get them out two and a half yeah, years? Dude, but think about what his leaps would have done today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, even if they had a lot of vol in them, they'd still be up huge. Do you guys know anything about this? Thoughts on TCI's Leo Hendry SPAC taking desktop no. metal 3D printing has backing from Bill Miller. I don't know anything about it either. Sorry. Uh, Old TCI guy and Bill Miller. I love Bill Miller. I, I like that dude is mad creative. So Bill Miller look or, at or TCI? Yeah. No, no, Bill, Bill Miller. TCI is the old uh, Malone entity. It was swallowed into AT&T, and then AT&T spun out Liberty Media, and then you get the whole Malone Or Leo complex. Hendry, then, I guess, is the bloke. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, what, do you, what about Twitter? There's, there's a few comments on Twitter here. Let me just pull, let me just pull one up. Since Elliot all, Turner loves it. Elliot Turner's a smart dude. That's his big bet. Um, yeah. I sorry, I just can't find it. Yeah. I think it's under-monetized. Compared to everything else that I use, but their 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 ad targeting is is rubbish, and the the ad targeting between the difference between the 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 mobile application and the desktop application and TweetDeck, it's they're so different that there's no ads in TweetDeck. Is there anyone even running Twitter at this point, or is it just sort of like its own autonomous zone? <laughs> yeah, well. I know that uh, Jack's in there half time when he's not in Africa. So, I tell you what, though, um, the uh, 
the Twitter machine, I have seen things that I, I am seeing improvements in the uh, ex- experience that I had not seen previously. And I do think that uh, there are the beginning signs of them maybe turning that asset into an actual monetization machine. What was the what was the last Twitter ad that you saw, dude? I don't know. They're do, do you mean garbage. do you mean advertising or Actually, do you mean no, dude? Can you... I can tell you what it is, and this is why because it was an Apple ad, and I'm kind of resentful of Apple right now for no good reason other than I freaking sold it too quickly. Um. So I just let the Apple ad like run. I think I ran it five times in the background today, and it just kept running on loop. And I was like, whatever. I think it would be funny if they get billed for all this. So that was the last ad that I saw. We're running out okay. of time here, but just one last comment. Uh, does YouTube's recent bombardment of ads hurt the product in the long run? I don't think so, and this is why. They're trying to get you to subscribe. They want subscribers. It's $12 a month. I've taken the plunge because I just couldn't take another ad, and I'm sorry for all the ads that run on this thing. I don't know how they decide to, to, where to put them in, but it's it, it's degraded the experience on everything that I watch on YouTube. Um, but that's why I paid the, the $12 a month. We could move to another platform to do this live or, or post it on another platform, but then we'd probably be charging for it. And you get a lot more content if you, if you go through YouTube, probably. I'll tell you what. I know how much I'm making on this. It's We're not never going to make any us. money on this. Tell me what that is coming to us. I appreciate y'all, y'all listening and the people that put up with the ads. It is not our choice. It's exposure. You're getting exposure. That's right. Yeah. Well, especially in this shirt. Overexposed. Uh, that's that's <laughs> time for this week. Thanks, folks. That was really fun. Well, uh... Buffett, I love you. I'm sorry. If you listen, I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm on a podcast. I'm supposed to say controversial stuff. (laughs) Hot takes. See you, folks. (laughs) Bye, everybody. Move with the rhythm. Shake it up, stop when the clock hits 13. Sing one, two.